Super Talk Mississippi media production. In the Mississippi Legislature, House Bill 728 funds health care for illegal immigrants. Call your legislator today at 601-359-3770. Ask them to stop House Bill 728. It's not too late. You can help stop this. Paid for by Building America's Future. This is Rebecca Turner, and thank you for listening to the Good Things Podcast here on Super Talk Mississippi. It's Mississippi's Radio Happy Hour. Well, I'm going to Mississippi, Mississippi, here I come. You're listening to Good Things with Rebecca Turner. Well, I'm going to Mississippi, Mississippi, here I come. Bringing you the good stories of Mississippi's people, places, and things to do. Now, now, here's Rebecca. Good afternoon, Super Talk Mississippi. You're tuned into your radio happy hour. That's the good things. I'm your host, Rebecca Turner. We've got Rhino in studio today. Now, don't forget, you can listen to good things. We are streaming live over at supertalk.fm. We're also streaming from the Super Talk Mississippi app. And, of course, you can always find us on your local Super Talk Mississippi radio stations. But you can head on over to supertalktv.com. You'll see I'm not alone in the studio today here on Good Things. I've got joining with me some passionate people about bringing a cool project uh, all the way to, from West Point to Greenwood. Think about a 92-mile multi-purpose trail. That sounds like a good thing. We've got Dr. Craig Moffitt along with Wilson Carroll, and you guys are just a part of the vision of this CNG trail project, correct? That is correct. We are extremely excited about it, and thank you for having us well, here. Well, 92 today. miles, that would be the longest trail system in, or trail, in Mississippi, right? Twice as long as anything we have in the state right now. So that's an ambitious project, but it can be done, and how did it get inspired? Well, I started this process back in 2007, 2008, when I was taking trips with my kids. Uh, we were always looking for fun things to do outdoors, and I stumbled across the idea of a rail trail trip. We went over to Huntsville, Alabama, where they have the Rocket Center, and nearby they had something called the Chief Ladiga Rail Trail. And so my kids and I spent three nights uh, on the trail biking, and I always like to do things outdoors with them, but to realize that I could take them outside and let them ride to their heart's content and not have to worry about a car or a truck or worry about them getting in trouble in any way was just transformative. They had a wonderful time, and so we started making a habit of looking for rail trails to to, to ride on as a family. We went to the Longleaf Trace. The Tanglefoot Trail wasn't a reality at the time, but we fell in love with the whole concept. I grew up in Greenwood with the CNG Rail Trail right behind my house, and uh, it went out of operation in 1999 or so. There was a, a bridge that washed out near Carrollton. And so for uh, 20 years, it's been sitting there uh, abandoned, essentially, no no use of it at all. And so I started pushing the idea of converting that uh, line into a rail trail. In 2008, the CNG sold to a company called Genesee in Wyoming, a much bigger operator. And at that point, they didn't have any interest in doing a rail trail on the project. But I kept calling them. I kept pestering them. And uh, every year we would talk and I would say, look, I know you'd like to do something with this, but we're still here. We're yeah. still interested. And uh, in February of this year, I was getting ready to go to a rotary meeting in Vicksburg and got a phone call from the vice president in charge of the southern region. And he said, uh, Wilson, we're ready to do this deal. You just need to put it together on your end, and we think it's time to turn this into a rail trail. So we have been really active since that time, and I've gotten to meet Dr. Moffitt and scores of other people who are really supportive about this idea. So, Wilson, obviously, I mean, you were – 
kind of get the um, you know the ball rolling with people interested in it, but it was just you. So did, when you were going to maybe purchase it or going to the person that owned the trail at that time, were you also then collecting your community partners, or did you wait to get the phone call that this could be a go? Like, or were you kind of doing both simultaneously? Well, uh, simultaneously, when the Longleaf Trace was formed, the legislature enacted a new set of legislation called the Rail Trail Recreational District Act, and so they created a template that you can follow if you have an abandoned rail line in your community. And so we were basically following that template and following the the outline that the Longleaf Trace people had already uh, established. At the same time, the Tanglefoot Trail group was working on it. That's a trail that runs 42 miles between New Albany and Houston. Um, Ironically, we were at about the same place at that time, but they were able to finish theirs, and it's had a tremendous economic impact there. So we're we're doing – we're not trying to reinvent the wheel here. We don't have to. We we have the good fortune of a a legislative uh, framework that's in place, plus we have people from these other rail trails that were so involved and building them who love it they love the impact and they're helping us they're teaching us and telling us what to do so we have a lot of good support out there so was it to finally get the go-ahead was that whoever owns the trails right now say okay this is not a viable railroad i guess investment like meaning that the railroad probably couldn't come back and do railroady things correct, <laughs> correct. The trails it had to finally kind of you know tip its hat and say okay it's seen it's 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 lived its best life as a rail system now it needs to go on to its it, next stage it took GNW 14, 15 years, but they finally said the idea of getting this rebuilt is a pipe dream. The problem is in Greenville, there's not a bridge going across the river, so it's a dead-end railroad. It, it would cost them 150 to $200 million to rebuild it, and there's just not enough potential there for them to have an economic impact there from the railroad standpoint. And in the meantime, it's a huge liability exposure for them. I think they're going to be happy at the end of the day to get this off the books for them, and we're happy to help them do that by turning it into a hiking and bike and horse riding trail that everyone in these communities can benefit from. And I feel like there's so many benefits that come with it, and that's where you come in, Dr. Moffat. When's the first time you had heard about the trail or you met Wilson and his, his crazy idea that's also wonderful? <laughs> uh, I've also always uh, been very highly outdoor. I, I had the uh, fortune of utilizing both Longleaf and Tanglefoot in the past uh, and just kind of saw the phenomenal benefit that had um, to local residents and even saw some economic benefits it was having. And this was back when I was in, uh, even before med school. And then throughout med school, I uh, continued using Longleaf. I went to med school in, in Hattiesburg and lived in Tupelo area for a while, so utilized that trail. But um, when I, uh, I practiced in a small town, and I knew that I wanted to go to a small town because I, uh, I knew that I wanted to have an impact on a smaller community and, and be, really be able to hopefully create some positive change there and, and bring some life to these small communities, uh, which is Mississippi's made up of a lot of great small communities. That was, that's what makes us Mississippi. And through that, I started looking at things that I could do to help the community. Um, obviously, from a population health standpoint, I'm trying to do everything I can to increase uh, care, access to care, to um, uh, help um, hospitals and clinic systems. Uh, but also to, you know, I noticed in my county there is, of 10,000 people, there's one small little gym owned by the hospital that's attached to the physical therapy rehab unit with like three treadmills in it. And there's really no place for my patients to go uh, excess. A lot of times if you live in a city, you've got 10 gyms, you can walk around the neighborhood, but but my patients just had nowhere they could go to safely uh, walk. You know, those with more resources might could drive an hour somewhere, but my, a lot of my patients didn't have the, the time or the, the resources to be able to do that. So I then heard... Um, 
to a common associate that we had, um, uh, Johnny Mack with the Sinus Institute at Mississippi State University, uh, several months ago about this uh, CNG World Trail project, and I jumped on it immediately. Uh, I was like, this is the, you know going to have a huge uh, health impact to our area, huge economic impact. Uh, um, there's three small towns. I practice in two of them, and I live in one of them right where this trail is going to come through. So it's going to hit me. What and, towns are those? So um, I practice, have a clinic in Maven, Mississippi, outside of Stoutville. live in Matheson, Mississippi, and in my hospital and nursing homes I walk out are in your poor Mississippi, all kind of there on Highway 82. And this trail will follow Highway 82 for a, almost its entire duration across the state. 92 miles. Yeah, so 92 miles go right through all those local communities, um, right into the, the Delta, the heart of Mississippi there. Um, you know, so I was just com- completely fully on board um, from the get-go. So, Have you had anybody tell you, Wilson, nah, I don't think it'll work? Well, there are people who would rather not see it. Typically, people out in the country uh, whose uh, the railroad comes near their land or across their land. But it land. won't be as loud. Well, as a train, it certainly won't be. Uh, <laughs> and, but over time, obviously, those kinds of people existed uh, when the Longleaf Trace was being formed and when the Tanglefoot Trail was being formed. And people have come around. Uh, they've seen the benefits. And a lot of people who might have worried about you know having people near the backyards, the first people to use these trails are their kids and their grandkids. They're out there having fun. And, and and getting in the outdoors. Church groups use them. Boy Scout groups use them. Uh, but the most important thing that I'm pushing, uh, I know Craig's going to talk about the local benefits, is the tourism potential. Uh, these towns are all struggling economically. Most of them, all of them, have lost uh, industries because of NAFTA and other reasons. They're struggling. They're on their backs. And if you can promise them you build this and we'll bring 10,000, 20,000 tourists a year to your town. That's uh, a, a, an extraordinary opportunity for them. Uh, and and uh, and that's what happens. There's a there's a little town called Algoma, which is halfway between Houston and New Albany. It's just a dot on the map. Uh, but they have a little campground there. I've been there several times with the Boy Scouts. And on that guest register, over the course of about five or six years, they collected over 110,000 signatures. Whoa. From I wasn't expecting that. It's huge. It's huge. And these are people with money to spend. They come from all over the world. I'd like to say just all over the country, but literally people from uh, um, England, New Zealand, Germany, they come to these trails uh, because they want to experience what we take for granted, uh, uh, the authenticity, the clean air, the the, the activities that we have. Uh, and so it, it's, there's a tremendous potential there for economic benefit through tourism. Tourism is economic development. A lot of people don't think of it that way. But these folks will spend – up hundreds of dollars a night to stay mm-hmm. at a B and B to go and have a, something to eat. Uh, if you have a music venue, they'll they'll go to that. Uh, if you have a store that's selling gifts or books or whatever, they'll spend money there, and then they go on to the next town. Then the beauty of this being so long is that people will stay overnight. It's not just yeah. out and back, but it becomes gonna be- like an adventure of itself to sort of see it. And then I start seeing that you're going to have annual events and trail runs and rides and things that get branded and start growing. And then you connect to other festivals and things around. I mean, I, I'm with you, Wilson. You got it. You got it, Rebecca. <laughs> I, I got it. But we go, we're going to figure out more and talk more about the economic impact and all the good things that can come with the CNG Trail Project coming up next.
making your afternoon just a little brighter. It's Good Things with Rebecca Turner on Super Talk Mississippi. You can watch good things. We are on your computer, your mobile device. Just head on over to supertalktv.com. And today we're imagining a 92-mile multi-purpose trail from West Point to Greenwood. It would be the CNG Trail Project. We've got with us Dr. Moffitt, who is in Newport. He is a practicing physician in Newport, Mississippi. we got Wilson Carroll, who this was your baby. This was your brainchild. But I know you had the idea, and then you have brought in all these other community partners to see it uh, through to the end. And you're finally at the green light of getting this going. But I want to go back to you, Dr. Moffitt, because I think as we're moving into this new year sort of mindset, I know we got to get over uh, the Christmas that's coming up, health starts to become a topic of everyone's conversation. And, you know, we do, a lot of us don't take advantage of the Longleaf Trail or the trails here in Ridgeland or some of the other, the Tangle uh, Foot Trail. From your perspective, those sort of free and open opportunities around that provide exercise, what kind of benefits could we all be getting from those resources here in Mississippi? Oh, immeasurable. I mean, absolutely uh, immeasurable. You know, something that I always like to talk about is a lot of um, drugs that someone may take for a heart condition may have five to ten good studies on it. I mean, we have thousands of high-quality, you know, um, well-researched studies on the positive effects of exercise, on treating arthritis, preventing um, heart disease, uh, assisting with uh, control of sugars and diabetics. I mean, just absolutely boundless um, ways that that can help. You know, and, you know, yes, you have the people who may not be utilizing, you know, long leaf tangle foot, but you have a lot of people who are. Um, and I think that just having that there is incredibly important. I mean, Mississippi, fifth in the nation in obesity, we have fallen some. Congratulations to, to everyone who's helped with that. Uh, but, you know, we leave the nation a lot of these bad health care statistics. And a lot of that is because of access to you know, um, places to exercise and walk out, whether you're maybe inner city and there's not an easily walkable neighborhood. If you're in a rural area, like I was talking about earlier, there's just nowhere that you can go um, to be able to walk. I mean, walking simply 30 minutes a day, five days a week, substantially drops your chance of developing a myriad of health conditions. You know, you can walk 30 minutes and your blood pressure will be 10 points lower for hours after that. You increase blood flow to almost every aspect of your body. You know, you decrease dementia rate. And this is just walking. You 30 know. minutes of walking. Yeah, 30 minutes of walking. You know, I mean, it really doesn't take, you don't have to do CrossFit, you know. And as a physician, I don't recommend my, uh, walking is one of the most, most commonly exercises I recommend to my patients. You know, you don't have to be an Olympic athlete. I mean, you just need to be, if you can, I understand there are some people with, with issues. Another reason this trail is good is it's going to be uh, fairly flat, paved. There are some um, that can walk, but they have limitations in walking. Uh, so walking um, through a neighborhood with potholes and such is very difficult for them, but they could go to a trail like this and get some exercise. And um, be inspired, too, to take their grandkids or take their family mm-hmm. or pick up biking or learn cycling or, I guess, skating if you wanted to, skipping, whatever <laughs> you wanted to do, Wilson. I mean, it's it would be open. And this idea that they wouldn't utilize all 92 miles, or most everyday Mississippians wouldn't. They may on occasion. Um, so how do you see this in terms of phases? I mean, I, you go out and you do it all 92 at once, or are you going to do it in small bites? 
states. How does that work, Wilson? We'd love to do it all at once, but realistically, that's probably more than is possible. Early on when I started going to Rotary Clubs and giving speeches about this, I was contacted by a gentleman named Kent Bain, who's with the Mississippi Hills National Heritage Area. That's a federally funded agency operating out of Tupelo, uh, and this is in their wheelhouse. This is the kind of project they do. So they have been helping us by providing some funding. We've retained the Neil Schaefer Engineering Firm out of Jackson, which has experience in this. We've retained a market economist out of Nashville to help us do the, the economic impact statement. And just last year, the city of Greenwood agreed the, uh, the Convention and Visitors Bureau agreed to advance $25,000 to uh, underwrite the first uh, raise grant that will be applying for federal funding to do the preliminary engineering and analysis. So the wheels are turning. We have a very strong professional team on board. It's not just me at all, uh, and, and I'm, I'm so gratified at the at the amount of support we're getting. Uh, we would love to, to get the entire amount of money at one time. Uh, because it's such a big project, we may have to do this over multiple years, but we're prepared to do that. Uh, this, is a, this is a big project. I've been working on it 14 years. If I have to wait three or four more, that's <laughs> not a big deal. Uh, but we're, we're, we're very optimistic about what the future holds. Why haven't you given up on it? I'm just an eternal optimist. And, 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 I, and I love this kind of stuff. I love it for my kids. I love it for my friends. I have two artificial hips. I used to run a lot, but I can't do that anymore. Even hiking with a backpack is hard on me. But a bicycle, I can get on a bicycle and go 20, 30, 40 miles and feel better when I get off than I did when I got onto it. You talk about people with limitations, Dr. Moffat. I'm one of them. And I can I can tell you from personal experience that this is a an amazing way to, to stay in shape, to take advantage of the outdoors, and at the same time, we're going to do tremendous things economically for Greenwood and North Carrollton and Winona and Eupora and Maba and Mabin and Matheston and and uh, all the way out to West Point. Uh, this is going to be the biggest economic uh, revitalization project in central Mississippi in decades. So we're really excited and about the, it. And you can't – in the ripple effects, that would be what you wouldn't be able to measure because you're just making the, the trail accessible or want to make the trail accessible. That would be step one. And then each of these individual communities could come in and sort of add their own, you know, um, Airbnbs or restaurants or sort of gift shops or whatever that may be along the side. I mean, it's not like you're going to have a like a 92-mile theme park, although that no. could be – that would be a lot of fun. So on our text line, Bubba from Meridian said, let me know when the CNG trail is scheduled to be completed. I'm sure <laughs> Wilson would love to give you a date for that. That's like sure. saying, when is your house going to be built? I have visited Longleaf and Tangled, uh, Tangled Foot Trails. Bike riding on those trails are the best. Looking forward to more opportunities. So right there, you've got somebody who's looking. And, you know, Dr. Moffat, when you hear people say, oh, you can build it, but they're not going to get out there and necessarily do it. From your patient's perspective, I mean, when they hear about the opportun- the, the potential opportunity, are they getting excited? Uh, yeah, they are. Um, all the, you know, everyone is, is super excited. Uh, a lot of my patients have small little businesses, so they're excited from an economic standpoint. But, no, my patients are excited from a health standpoint as well. I mean, yes, I mean, just because you put a doctor or a surgeon in the area doesn't mean our patients are going to do everything the doctor says just because you, you know, have stuff in there. But you have to have it there first. You have to have the water there first for the horse to, to drink, you know, as the, the old saying goes. You know, I mean, so I do think that a lot of my patients utilize this. Only if 15% of them utilize it. I mean, that's 15% of my patients that are getting a free, huge health impact 
uh, positively. I mean, I'll take I'll take one percent. I mean, you know, it, it, if it's there, they have the option for, it and it will increase, and it will help them. Because really, your your towns are going to use probably. There's some that are going to get there and bike, like you like you mentioned, Wilson, twenty or thirty miles at a time. But there's others that's going to get out, and they're going to have. Like I remember uh, living off the Longleaf Trail, and I knew my two miles out, and then my two miles sort of back, and it was all sort of you know the spots in between. And to be honest, I don't know if I've ever really utilized more much more than that, you know, on the trail. And so they're going to have their little spots and sort of turnarounds and and make it sort of their own. So you're going to have small pockets of people utilizing small pockets of the trail every day. And then you're going to have those enthusiasts who are seeking to see the whole the whole 92 kit and caboodle. And talking about the businesses who will benefit, this is not economic development that benefits Nissan or the shareholders of Mercedes-Benz. This is mom-and-pop businesses, small uh, restaurants, B&Bs, uh, people who have music venues, uh, civil rights museums, uh, uh, small-town America. These are the people who are going to benefit most economically from this. And what we'll do – what was the Kevin Costner movie, uh, Field of Dreams? If you build it, they'll come. Yeah. They will come. It's up to the local people to use their imagination and figure out how to profit from it. Uh, and not only just to benefit from it from a health standpoint, but to develop businesses that will cater to the interests and the needs of the people that are coming from all over the country and the world. We want to encourage people, if you're interested in finding out more about this, go to our Facebook page. It's C ampersand G Rail Trail Coalition. Okay, that's C N G Rail Trail Coalition. Or you can go to our website, cgrailtrail.org, which also links to the Facebook page. We have a number of phenomenal videos which have been prepared by one of our biggest supporters, Richard Beatty and Greenwood. Uh, and uh, he's gone to the Longleaf Trace and gone to the to the Tanglefoot Trail and interviewed people who uh, live along the trail, who opposed it, but who've come around. And you can learn so much about this project and what you can do to help us if you're interested in making it happen. Uh, so so go to our Facebook page, C Ampersand G Rail Trail Coalition, or the website, cgrailtrail.org. Find out more, sign up, share the news, Get on board, Mississippi. Get on board, Mississippi. I feel that way. And I feel like people are getting excited. Our text line starting to go. Uh, Chris and Brandon said he's a longtime bike rider on the Long Leaf. You know, there will be things that will have to be addressed, whether it's safety or some other concerns. But that comes with any kind of investment or project of this size and, you know, capacity. I'm sure that's not uh, – Tanglefoot has that. You know, Long Leaf has that. You guys will be able to address that um, as well. But that's not a reason to stop it from from getting started uh, from, the, from the start. So next steps, just going to the website and getting getting more educated. We're, we're traveling from town to town to educate people about the project and listing support. Uh, we're going to have to go to each community and county along the, the, the rail and get people to get the local governing authorities to sign on board and support us. We think we're going to have great success with that. And uh, and just continue to follow us. And, and we'll make announcements uh, on the Facebook page and on the website. And we'd love for people to, to indicate their support and help us in any way they can. Well, you're welcome back anytime to give us updates. Thank you, Rebecca. All Thank righty. you, Mr. Rebecca. I appreciate both of you and what you guys are doing. So two thumbs up with that. All right. I guess bike ride, helmet, I don't know. All right, stick with us. We got more coming up next.
upbeat, positive, and stories that make you smile. This is Good Things with Rebecca Turner on Super Talk Mississippi, the Super Talk app, and at supertalk.fm. So this is Christmas. And what have you done? You can listen to Good Things. We are streaming live over at supertalk.fm. We're also streaming from your Supertalk Mississippi app. And, of course, you can find us on your local Supertalk Mississippi radio station where you can find a Mississippi Christmas with Steve Azar. It's returning here on Supertalk Mississippi starting Friday at 1 p.m. And I think it goes for 50 hours until Christmas afternoon. Steve will play hours and hours of Christmas classics and tunes from Mississippi artists plus Christmas memories from Steve's celebrity friends. So you can also, if you're stuck at work or maybe even at home, you can turn it on to supertalktv.com. You can enjoy the music and the show, but you can also get the the log in the background to give you a little ambiance, and we're going to need it because it's going to be it's going to be cold. Talking with Will, though, about putting this together, it's hard to believe this is the fifth year that they'll have uh, a Mississippi Christmas. And so he helps put all of that together every year. So that's 50 hours of music and conversation. And he said him and Steve realized that there's only like 20, really, Christmas songs. And if you never if you ever thought about it now, that's, you know, probably a little bit more than that. I was about to say, I think I've got more than 20 loaded. But it's, they all, or they're all versions. Yeah, there's several different iterations of, of, the same, of the same hits. It's the same hits. There's very few original Christmas songs coming out each year. Maybe that's a better way of saying That's it. very true because generally, and this is a hot take, but generally it seems the older I get, the less creative new music gets. It, and I know there's, there's some psychological reason for that, but I think back to my childhood and, and movies like Home Alone with the, the score written by John Williams. And to me, that was some of the last new Christmassy sounding music that could pass for classic hits of Christmas. I mean, you've got the Mariah Carey's "All I Want for Christmas," and well, the, that's one reason why she's been at the and, been at the top for right. There however just many hasn't years. been somebody that had the creative juices flowing enough, and this, that's not hating on. I mean, I've, I've played earlier today "Rudolph the Red Nosed Reindeer" by Harry Connick Jr., and the most creative take he could do was having a call and response with a kids' choir, which is at least different, but oh, it's still yeah. the same. I have a theory with it, though. I feel some it's the creative juices. It almost feels like Christmas is sacred. It's like you wouldn't do a different version of hymns. I mean, I know some people may may do, but you've got like this this sort of bucket of them. Then you feel like you don't you may tweak them, but you don't recreate them. And you're not at nobody's adding to the hymnal behind the pew at church, right? Like nobody's. I mean, they, we, there's definitely new. It happens, music. but it's very rare, right? Like there's. New music, obviously, within within church communities and all. But now I'm talking about like it feels like the book of hymns is pretty much it. It's not, you know, you're not necessarily adding to it. And you feel that way with some of the Christmas classics. But Christmas still remains one of those seasons as well as Christmas movies and Christmas songs and all of that. 
that for the most part, it's nestled between at least November. I know we can get big debates about that, but November to end November to, you know, the beginning of January. And then by the time January rolls around, 90 percent of us are over it. We're ready to, you know, move on new year you know, not necessarily bring out those songs. So when that season rolls back around, you want to know the the music. You want the flood of memories. You want to connect with the, the songs in that way. It's not that you don't want new music. Obviously, Mariah Carey proves that somebody does. But even then, I mean, now it's like it bring it, it sort of triggers all the flood of sort of memories and things and you pass those down. And so there's not room <laughs> sort of in the experience for a whole lot of new music. I think that's a big part of it. Another big part of it is just the way pop culture is created nowadays. I mean, if you think to think back to the heyday of Christmas music, where it's like the early to mid 40s up to maybe into the 60s a lot of what we consider christmas classics were really songs written for christmas movies and movies had to have a song to really help sell it that's why you've got some old john wayne westerns that have the random cute guy singer that sings in the movie out of nowhere and it's like I thought this was Cowboys. Why is he singing? Because at that point in time, in pop culture, you you had to blend it. That's why in the movie Oklahoma, it's a play being turned into a movie, but it still has to have the ballet sequence because musicals at that point had to have ballet. Someone mentioned on the text line, people like traditional at Christmas. And I think whether you whether you recognize it or not, we really gravitate towards. And that's what I was saying. And I know as soon as I said it here on Good Things the other day that there was no like rated R uh, Christmas movies, at least not classics. uh, There's not. You can now go to your streaming services and they got all kinds of naughty shows for (laughs) this time of year. And I'm like, ugh. but there is this sort of idea that we want to cleanse our palate during the holiday season. We want to keep it sort of, um, you know, innocent and pure and humble and, you know, full of like definitely the good things. And so you go back to those things that remind you of that. And it is the Christmas classic movies. It is the classic uh, songs. It all is all of those sort of things. And then you pass you pass them down. And I never thought really thought of it that way, but it feels almost like a. A re- not a reset. I wouldn't say a reset because then comes January and we screw it all up all over again. But there is this yearning that we get a fulfillment during the holiday season of something that we just don't get the rest of the rest of the year, or it's not as searched out. We can at least take solace in the fact that Christmas has a a multitude of different songs, even if they get reiterated and worked on and tweaked here and there. Poor New Year's. It's really only got the one. It's true. That nobody knows the words to. No, but you know the but you know the sound. You start to want. Oh yeah, you're just watermelon your way through it because you're already a couple glasses of champagne. You made it up that late. Yes, yes, absolutely. If you had to pick, we talk about movies all the time here. But Christmas song is there one that brings you joy when you hear it? Hmm. It, well, like the Rudolphs and all of that, I don't want to listen to them on repeat, but they do bring a childlike joy to me because 
especially now having kids, it's just that like and the jingle bells and it's it's just a moment to be you get permission to be a little silly wherever you are as an adult. And I think that that excite that's exciting. But then like your silent nights would be the one that like it makes you sit there and kind of just. Yeah, you got to kind of stop and think. You got to stop and think. Yeah, I would say the the Christmas song that it never fails to put a smile on my face is the Alvin and the Chipmunks Christmas <gasps> song. Yes, agreed. That's just one where if even if you're in a bad mood, that one comes on. Alvin, you, you're just you're good to go. You are good to go. I do. I I agree with that. Um, and then, too, some of those traditional songs get connected to commercials that then also become tradition. The Belize Navina or whatever. Um, what commercials it connected to? Palm tree with Christmas lights opening a Corona. They've had the same commercial. I don't know how many years now, but as long as I can remember. It's like they just repurpose it. Each Christmas, that and the uh, the Hershey's Kisses bells. Yes, yes, Darren and Jackson. It wasn't his child by Skip Ewing. You need to hear that. Yeah, that's one from the mid late eighties. It was around after I was born, but maybe eighty eight, eighty nine. But yeah, it was a it was a a new take on the Christmas story. Many Amanda from Pike County, as well as Mel 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 <laughs> Mailman. I'm sure you feel like Mel 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 everywhere. Clayton um, says, "Mary, did you know?" Which is it came out a couple of years ago, uh, and it's definitely becoming a fast favorite, at least for those of people of faith. Um, it's a beautiful, beautiful song. And then John Rutter, "What Sweeter Music?" Merry Christmas from the family, Robert Earl King. You can't. You also, I'm dreaming of a white Christmas in Tim Allen's first Santa movie, which he's got a new one out streaming on Disney Plus. Hadn't seen it. Don't know whether to recommend it. Is it a movie or a series? Don't know. <laughs> I want to say they they turned it series. into a series. Where, I just saw the commercial in him because you remember in in the last movie he did, it was kind of him passing the torch about how there's going to be a new Santa and that. I actually haven't even seen that movie. This is just from what I've been told. And the new series is the new Santa has kind of messed up, and he's got to come in and save the day. Well, now I'm interested. But he played a great Santa. Keep it with your Christmas music, Porky Pig Blue Christmas. (laughs) I love that. Maybe we should tell Will to add that one in to a Mississippi Christmas. Coming up next. Rebecca Turner. She's smart and pretty. Good Things with Rebecca Turner continues on Super Talk Mississippi. Mm-hmm. Merry Christmas. Happy holidays. 
good things. You can watch us. We're on your computer, your mobile device. Just head on over to supertalktv.com. Lots to do, lots to see, but you may not make it out. It's going to be cold. Coming up, what, tomorrow night, I think it is, here in Mississippi? Yeah, there's a little bit of rain moving into the Magnolia State tomorrow, and then uh, with that rain in the front is going to come the Arctic Blast. Which would mean put your brass bras up, ladies. You're not going to need those over the next couple of days. It's going to be cold. You're going to need layers. You're going to need uh, layers. And I love the meme, though, that also says if you have to be reminded to bring in your pets during this kind of weather, you don't need pets. And But it is does go without saying. If that's something you hadn't thought through, please think that through with your, with your fur friends. And if your plants have been outside up until this point, they're already dead. So you can just leave them bad boys out there. No need to bring them in now. Or if they've survived up to this point, well, they're probably going to make it. <laughs> they're probably going to make it because we've had some pretty chilly nights leading up to the big show that's coming up Thursday and Friday here in Mississippi or, or through the weekend. And you do hope, though, that everyone stays safe, but also that no ice forms because that changes everything. I think it just being really cold makes it uncomfortable and unbearable and obviously makes it dangerous for those that have to work or, or outside or may not have adequate heat. But for the rest of us, it's just an opportunity to be cranky and stay indoors, which I don't think is necessarily a bad thing. You may want to think through, though, having some supplies on hand, not like that we're going to have another two weeks of of a ice storm, but you may not want to get out. So it's like, think about, like, do we have the necessities that we can kind of just hunker in for a few days if we don't want to bar getting out in public but this is going to be some of the coldest weather that i think mississippi's seen in a really long time and maybe that you've ever seen and it got me thinking like what is the coldest weather you've ever been in i mean i've been in we've obviously last year or the year you know freezing weather for sure but there's a big difference in 12 and 32 or negative signs and right below freezing. It's all about the conditions you're in, too. Because if, if I had to pinpoint the coldest I've ever been in my life. Or maybe that's a better question. It would be one time I went hunting with my dad and my older brother. And got dressed that morning. Was convinced I had put on enough layers. Didn't have quite enough layers. And wasn't quite prepared for a constant drizzle that turned into a rain but i was stubborn and didn't want to admit my mistakes to my dad and older brother so dad asked me he double checked hey you got enough on you good to go yes sir he plopped me down in the ground blind and then went off to get in his stand and left me until lunchtime and he comes back at lunch and i'm sitting there just miserably cold shaking and shivering my lips are turning blue and he makes me go sit in the truck and i never once admitted out loud that i was too cold but that is the coldest i have ever been in my life if you were underprepared you can't be prepared for how cold and how miserable being cold actually um actually is especially if you're in in the woods and you're trying your best to stay still and move slowly so as not to spook any deer that i can't see because i'm freezing <laughs> coldest i've ever been and i was prepared and it was still just daggum cold it's that time my husband taught me into a fishing tournament on the ross barnett reservoir in february and it was unseasonably cold for it and you had to be out there on the water on a boat before sunrise and it was like or like the low 20s and I thought to myself, if this man ever 
questions my love for him. I will throw him over this boat myself. My toes, I couldn't feel for hours. And I think the high that day got right at 50, like by noon or 1 o'clock or whenever the weigh-in was. And I have never felt so alive at 50. And I told him, I said, that is it. I will never go fishing with you again unless it's like 60 or above. And I was still in all of my, you know, sort of gear even then. But it took it took to 60 degrees to unthaw. You don't know what cold is until you're on a boat with no wind covering and you're, you know, you're going at full speed on a lake. Exposed to the elements. Dumb idea. Hey, all of you who enjoy that, kudos. But this girl was going, we're going to skip the next one. Not don't put me down as your teammate for next February. Catch me in April or May. But that may be the coldest I recently felt. I'm sure there were other other times throughout my uh, my lifetime. The coldest you can ever be too is if you are not properly dressed for a football game or outside on the stands and have to sit on that metal. It's pretty cold. I don't think I'll be just sitting outside though much over the next couple of days. Probably not. No, not at all. So you can sit inside and you can listen to Super Talk because we got plenty for you. You got plenty coming up next. You got Sports Talk Mississippi from 3 to 6. And then Rhino and I will meet you back here tomorrow at 2. But until then, I hope you all find time for the good things. Talk Mississippi Media Production.